Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. As a Sirius XM and CNN host, I'm known for speaking, but frankly, I read for a living. I need to know what to say, and so I consume over two dozen newspapers and websites daily. I read opposing views and studies and court cases and orders and op-eds just so I can discuss current events on radio and television. But my favorite reading? Books. Old school. And my favorite interviews? are with book authors. Book Club with Michael Smirconish is now in session. Regular listeners know that my wife and I have four children, a daughter who has already graduated from college, and then three boys, a son who is a freshman, just completed his uh, second semester midterms as I speak, and then two boys who are still under our roof, one of whom is a high school junior and the other is an eighth grader. Last night at the dinner table... I read a few paragraphs from Frank Bruni's brand new book, Where You Go Is Not Who You'll Be, an antidote to the college admissions mania. Here's what I read at the dinner table last night. There's a widespread conviction, spoken and unspoken, that the road to riches is trimmed in ivy and the reins of power held by those who've donned Harvard's crimson, Yale's blue, and Princeton's orange, not just on their chests, but in their souls. No one told that to the Fortune 500. They're the American corporations with the highest gross revenues. The list is revised yearly. As I write this paragraph in the summer of 2014, the top 10 in order are Walmart, 
ExxonMobil, Chevron, Berkshire Hathaway, Apple, Phillips 66, General Motors, Ford Motor, General Electric, and Valero Energy. And here's the list in the same order of the schools where their chief executives got their undergraduate degrees. The University of Arkansas, the University of Texas, the University of California at Davis, the University of Nebraska-Auburn, Texas A&M, the General Motors Institute, now called Kettering University, the University of Kansas, Dartmouth College, and the University of Missouri-St. Louis. In other words, just one Ivy League school among them. This is Frank Bruni. Hey, Frank, thank you so much for writing this book. Thank you for having me on to talk about it. It really struck a chord with my family because of what we're going through. Having read the book, I want to ask you, did you write it for me, the parent, or for our kids? It's a great question. I wrote it for both because I think, I think both parents and kids are going through this together and are just suffused with, a, with an altitude of anxiety that's nothing like it was when I went through this 25 years ago as a student and is simply discordant with the reality of life. Um, I, I'm betting, Michael, when you look around you, as when I look around me, and you, and you survey the successful people you know, you do not see any one educational pattern that explains their success. You see a diversity of backgrounds. That's at least what I see around me, and yet the public public narrative is so much about, oh, if you go to the most elite, most selective schools, that will be a guarantor of success. I don't think that's true, and I think somebody needed to say it very loudly. Well, you're correct that that is the assessment and that I am caught up in it, and yet it is belied by my own experience. I went to Lehigh as an undergraduate, a wonderful place. It was perfect for me. I got a big laugh out of the fact that when you talked about your own Uh, experience at Chapel Hill, you said that there were some courses that you didn't take because they conflicted with all my children. (laughs) Okay. In my instance, this is, this is hysterical to explain, but in my instance, it was general hospital. General hospital came on at three o'clock in the afternoon and I lived in an all male dorm (laughs) and 50 guys were watching Luke and Laura get married. This is one of the great unwritten stories of our time. My brother's fraternity at Amherst, my brother's fraternity at Amherst, they all watched all my children. Um, It's interesting, though. I happen to know, this is crazy, the program between those two was One Life to Live. Nobody (laughs) seemed to watch that. There were the general hospital cultists and the all my children cultists. So it's easy for me to say that those things that you've written in Where You Go Is Not Who You'll Be is true. It's harder for me, then, to try and disengage from the process. Well, you, like most parents, want to give your kids, and parents should be like this, you, like most parents, want to give your kids any leg up you can. It's a competitive world. It's a changing world. And you are correctly surmising that all other things being equal, it can be and often is an advantage to go to one of these super elite schools. But what I'm saying is if you put too much energy, too much attention, too much anxiety in kids and point them toward that, given the incredibly low acceptance rates, given the sort of whimsy that goes into deciding who comes in the door and who doesn't, and given the sort of values that you can instill in kids by focusing them too much on that, there is a downside to doing it. And I think parents need to be careful. They need to keep some perspective and balance here, and they need to see a bigger picture than just the acceptance rate of the school their kids are going to. Well, another aspect of it is the time drain. I mean, the the junior, my son, who's the junior right now, is completely consumed with SAT prep. And I understand it. And yet I look at it and I say, my God, the amount of time that he has had to commit this one effing test, he could learn how to competently play a guitar or paint. 
I know it's it's crazy. I mean, whether it's someone going through what he's going through in terms of the test prep or whatever, or whether it's or whether it's kids, you know, once they get to college, people are so focused on punching certain holes because that's somehow going to be the recipe. I'm mangling metaphors here or mixing them. Forgive me. Somehow going to be the recipe for success. Everyone's taken their eye off the ball, which is learning, which is becoming a better person, which is becoming a bigger person. I submit that if you really commit yourself to learning, to the development of skills, to the development of your potential wherever it exists, that is going to serve you better long-term than the name on your diploma. I I will say as a contrarian that the the son who has just gone through the process, and I'd rather not discuss uh, where he is other than to say you say in the book that you taught there recently. So um, well, in, am I allowed so to say where that was? <laughs> I'd rather you didn't. Let, okay. let people read the book if they want the answer. Oh, I, I, just try I, I love and, it. A buried clue, yeah. There you go. Try and keep him out of my world a little bit. It's not fair to him. But, you know, the, the other side of this, Frank, is that if you are able to gain admittance to one of those elite institutions, you are rubbing shoulders with some very bright bulbs who are going places. Sure. And there's a chance that you'll establish more quickly a network that will serve you very well. But... To tell kids that that is the path, it's just wrong. I mean, there in, in the book, one of the things I try to do is profile a whole bunch of successful people who took a very different, or, you know, a whole array of paths to the corner office, to, you know, the political summit, wherever they got. And I just think that if we, if we give kids a message that one way is that much better than the others, and I think we, over, I think we overstate how much better or how, how much more advantageous it can be, I think we're setting them up for a disappointment that we don't need to set them up for, and I think we're just distorting reality. And here's the thing. Why are we not having as robust a conversation about how they wring everything they can out of college, how they till that magnificent landscape for all it's worth? If we put as much energy into that, I think we'd be doing kids a better service in the long run. And what do you mean careers. by that? What I, what I mean is I just don't hear anyone saying, hey, let's talk about how you're going to use college when you get there. You and I were talking about um, our soap opera addictions in college, right? Um, I go back to my college years. I went to University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, a wonderful school that had such an array of things to do, such an array of things to study. And I don't remember ever pausing at any moment in that and kind of taking a survey of this landscape and saying, what's the best way to use this and how can I, how can I pluck as much from it as is humanly possible? And I didn't do that because everyone was having different conversations. You know, are my grades going to be good enough for grad school? You know, how did I get here and, and how many people did I beat out to get here? Those conversations I don't think are as ultimately productive as one about how you're going to use that college experience for all that it's worth. Might a step in the right direction be ditching the common app? In our era, we did not apply to a dozen schools. Right, because we had to type. I, I remember sitting in an electric typewriter typing out the essays and the applications. Yeah, yeah, and and that, that certainly limited how many schools you apply to. The Common App is a, is a tough thing to talk about because on the one hand, it is abetting this ridiculous phenomenon where people are applying to thirteen, fifteen, eighteen schools, and when you're applying to fifteen to eighteen schools, you're just throwing darts at a board. You're not considering for a moment whether those schools are going to be the right places for you. On the flip side, the Common App has enabled kids from disadvantaged backgrounds, um, from backgrounds where life is not structured in a way that it's it's easy to apply to college and you have all this kind of parental and outside help. So the Common App has been a little bit of of an egalitarian force, and I like that aspect of it. So it's hard to come down in just one pro-con way on the Common App. I'm just thinking that if if you'd you'd have to be more realistic, if 
if I'm applying today and and if I'm on the margin, well, what the hell? If I can afford whatever the application fee is, I'm going to throw it in there and see what happens. But that's right. You're going you're, you're, you're to increase your odds. Yeah. Yeah. And, and but if it's but if it's not Common App, then I'm then I'm forced to say I'm really not Harvard material. Unless lightning strikes, why why would I waste my time in that regard? And perhaps therefore my expectations are going to be better oriented. Well, you should say that, but one thing we haven't talked about is you're, when you do that, you're swimming against the current somewhat, because one of the really sad things that's happened over recent years is a lot of schools, maybe not Harvard, maybe Harvard, are encouraging people to apply who really are not going to have any chance. And they're doing it because they want to get a huge number of applications, because that means they're going to be accepting a smaller fraction of them. That means they're going to be able to advertise our acceptance rate is 9%. That means people are going to say, wow, that's a special exclusive place. That means people are going to try harder to go in there, to go there and are going to accord it more respect. And yes. that's a really vicious cycle. Yeah, to your point. I mean, that is the kind of a running battle taking place between Stanford and Harvard on an annual basis right, right. now. And you it's, interesting think- you it's interesting you mentioned those two. Stanford, of course, set a record last year by accepting only 5.1% of its applicants. I predict you're going to see something similar at Harvard because Harvard has already announced that it received a record number of applications this year. That can only mean one thing. Harvard's acceptance rate is going down. Hey, Frank, one other aspect of the book, I appreciated the fact that you talked about the political intelligentsia. And yes, recent presidents have had their Ivy League pedigree. But you talk about a number of other individuals. For example, I I read the beginning of chapter one, which actually begins with a quote from Chris Christie talking about his experience. You talk about Elizabeth Warren. You you talk about Rand Paul. I'm doing this from memory, but you you give us a, a, a cross section of Political leaders today, R's and D's, and by and large, those with an Ivy League degree are the exceptions, not the rule. Absolutely. But what's in- and it's interesting because you, you took to that in the book because you didn't know that when we write profiles of politicians who've been through the Ivy League, and I, when I say we, I mean, you know, I'm one of those people who's done that at the times over, over time and even to this day. We mention the Ivy League backgrounds when they're there right away. We immediately mention that Ted Cruz went to Princeton and then went to Harvard, right? When, right. when, when it's Chris Christie and his alma mater is the University of Delaware, we don't mention that. Now, not only did Chris Christie go to the University of Delaware, Joe Biden went to the University of Delaware. Steve Schmidt, who was the chief strategist for John McCain's 2008 campaign, went to the University of Delaware. And David Plouffe, who was the manager of Obama's 2008 campaign, went to the University of Delaware. You have not read a single article about University of Delaware, new political power school, because we edit that it's out true. while it's we're true. talking about Harvard and Yale. Hey, I loved the anecdote early on in the book about Matt Levin, who is is devastated because he doesn't get into Yale, Princeton or Brown. And when I got to the part of the discussion (laughs) where it says he's going to Lehigh, I said to myself, he's going to be better off. That's my alma mater. You know what? He's um, I've I've kept in touch with his parents who who. or who were the people I interviewed for that story and all that. And there's a beautiful, beautiful letter they wrote, Matt, right before his acceptances and rejections came back um, that's in the book, and that every time I read it moves me to tears. It says so much about where we are in terms of the anxiety. I'm happy to report I've kept in touch with the Levins, and Matt is very, very happy at Lehigh. Sure he is. Hey, the book is terrific. I hope from the tone of my voice you know how I, I poured through it and really loved it. I whether I can act on it, Whether I can act on it or not remains to be seen. <laughs> well, good luck on that. Frank Bruni, thank you so much. The book is titled Where You Go Is Not Who You'll Be. Appreciate your being here. Thanks for having me. This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. 
Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. All right. And let me let me just now I've given it away, TC, but I was going to hit you with this. Christian Amanpour. Christian Amanpour. Yes. Did she attend Oxford, Cambridge or the University of Rhode Island? All of them. No, University of Rhode Island, please. <laughs> but wouldn't you, wouldn't you have thought? Absolutely. You'd have said, oh, my God, she's Cambridge educated and she's so damn Rhodes smart. Scholar. Yeah. 
So, Ithaca, what do you make of this? The, the Well, you know, I read the New York Times piece this morning, and, and the last question you just asked me about the, the CEOs with the, the universities that they came from, that was very, Isn't that great? very surprising to me and very great. And it shows that you don't need a Harvard degree, sorry, TC, to make it in this world. You know, and and everyone <laughs> will eventually find their place and be very happy. Uh, you know, if they they got they have to find what fits for them. And I found what what fit for me at Ithaca. But I knew going into it, I didn't apply to Harvard. I didn't apply to 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 Yale. I applied to Ithaca. I applied to Syracuse. I applied to you know schools of that caliber. And I got into my first choice. So I think it's it's knowing who you are first before you apply. And then going from there. I agree with everything that he has written in the book. I will I will simply say, as one who has gone through this process, that, and TC, you can speak to it as well, that there's a Malcolm Gladwell, I'm a big believer. Let me start over. Let me start over. I'm a big believer in geography playing a very important role in people's success. I think that where you raise your kids, if you can, if you can at all afford to raise your kids in an area that is a, a good area, meaning good schools, a prosperous area. If, if you can, if you can be in an apartment in a neighborhood that allows you to have your kids mingling with kids who are coming from households where they're on a fast track, it's to their advantage. Because I feel like one of the best things that my wife and I have been able to do for our kids is to put them in circulation with Others who seem to be headed places. I'm not saying this in a in a good way, but when I hear from my son about the experiences of those he's going to school with, they're pretty damn impressive. And there's networking. He doesn't appreciate it. I do. But that there's networking going on there that's going to bode well for him for decades to come. And I'm sure and, and sorry, TC, that we've all outed where you went to school, but you very fortunate. You went to a fabulous, fabulous school. I just let the record show it's, it's you guys that outed it. It's not me. Because you're always saying like, oh, TC drops the H-bomb. And but you know TC, I never TC, do. TC, how yes, often? Uh, TC, how often? Uh, you've mentioned no, she, it before. You know, Dan, Dan, let me come to her defense because I okay. am the one who hammers her. Sure. She really never brings it up. But I like to make fun of her as if she always, always brings, brings it up. And Thank I, you. Please save true. this tape, Dan. Here's That's a true. rare, rare confession from me. I do it just because it's good fodder. You really don't. You really don't wear your crimson on your sleeve. There you go. Having said that, (laughs) privately, you will often say to me, hey, I know so-and-so. I went to school with so who's in the news. Like we're talking about somebody and you'll you'll have a two degree of separation because of your collegiate experience. And I, I value that. I value that a lot. And I, I would I'm thrilled that I that I went there and I'm so, you know, I'm very grateful I think, though, a lot of this goes back to nature versus nurture, and we've had this conversation before. I think that a kid who's going to do well is going to do well no matter where they end up. And it doesn't matter if they go to Harvard or if they go to a huge state school or if they go to a little tiny school. It doesn't matter. I think it comes from within, and it's what you make of it. And these people that are successful, the people that I know that are successful, it doesn't matter where they went to school. And I know a lot of people who went to Harvard and have gotten only so far or have not gotten that far. Or, you I'll know, tell you when it's I think it helps. personality. It's I'll, not because I'll tell of you, Harvard. I'll tell you when I think it helps. I think it helps. Open doors initially. 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 You know, it, it is of most value initially. Yes. Because there is a, a Harvard mafia. There, I mean, no, there, there, there are tight networks. Yeah. Lehigh, I mean, one For of the greatest school, things right. about Lehigh, if someone came in here 
You know, we have we have interns who are going to be starting soon for 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 spring and summer. If someone were to reach out for me, and by the way, please don't, because I'm I'm we're at full. I'm at capacity. <laughs> There's no room at the end. But if someone were to reach out for me, and 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 I saw that their son or their daughter was an undergraduate at Lehigh, I'm inclined to help. Such is the affinity that I have well, for the institution. And, I feel it's my obligation. But I've been working with you for so long. One of Emma's friends just got an early to Lehigh, and I was so excited for her. I was like, yay, she's going to have a great time. I mean, there, I would like to think that Lehigh alumni look out yeah. for each other. And I, I don't have a problem with that. I think that's a wonderful thing. Initially, it helps. Long term, long term, unless you stay on that path, I, I don't think that it, it makes as much a difference in in the way the rest of your life plays out, right? I'm fully in agreement with that. Okay. And as a parent, you, you've just gone through this. I have just gone through it. And I'm going through it again. I, I just I just got out <laughs> of gotta, it. You got to go through it two, two more times. And Frank makes great, great sense to me. But the very first question that I asked him was a very deliberate question, which is, who did you write the book for? Because I was reading, I truly so read the hard. book at dinner last night aloud, that paragraph and and as I'm reading it, I'm saying, you know, I may be directing this to our our son, who's the junior. But frankly, I'm the I'm the audience right. that needs to hear this. The game is there, and you feel like you. Have I feel to play like it. I've I've pressured him, and he's you know he's got caught up in it. Oh my lord, the expense and the time commitment. You and I have spoken of the about SAT. this before. The SAT. There's got to be a better way than that test. There has got to be a better way than 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 that test. You and just I, don't want it to be. You don't want that to be. Um, the only thing they look at in a lot of schools so many people are applying and it doesn't help by the way this that does the common app does not help because you need to have some kind of screening mechanism and so it becomes a numbers game and they never know the real kid i don't kid. care what they say i don't care what they say the initial review is numbers michael you and i both know that we would hire son number two tomorrow we would hire him tomorrow anyone would be lucky oh, to have I, him you know what i'm saying yeah so it doesn't that it drives you nuts. The 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 got to meet that numbers criteria, and then they find out what kind of a kid you really, you really have are. in your hands. Yeah. And that process, and I understand. See, the Common App is driving this because if if an institution gets twenty thousand applications, then how possibly are they going to wade through them without some preliminary screening? But why are they getting twenty thousand applications? They're getting them because of the Common App. I think the Common App is 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 uh, a villain in all of this. I really do. And I hear his argument, which says that it levels the playing field economically because it allows kids who otherwise couldn't compete to apply to many schools. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen to the Michael Smirconish program weekdays on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 and anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.